John chapter 6. We are in a series through the Gospel of John. Knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ. What you need is to know Christ. And we're um, in Jesus' discussion with uh, the multitude there. uh, He has fed the 5,000. They've come to Him. And we're going to pick up our reading uh, just in verse number 27 to get the greater context. We're going to start in verse number 27. We're going to read down through verse number 41. Jesus is speaking. The multitude has come seeking Him. He says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? What must we do that we might work the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him whom God hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? Think about that for a second. Don't read the Bible just going through. Think about that. They said, what signs showest thou then? What had just happened yesterday? He had fed the 5,000. And they go, what signs showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? And what dost thou work? Does everybody see the ridiculousness of this question? Okay, if, you're, if we're going to believe you, you've got to prove this to us, Jesus. And then they go, verse number 31. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Come on, Jesus, don't you know what the Bible says? You know, they ate manna in the wilderness in the desert. Then, said, then Jesus said unto them, verse number 32, Verily, verily, okay, whenever you see verily, verily, get ready. Jesus is going to lay the matter straight. He's going to uh, divide error from truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you, present tense, the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He. Notice that. For the bread of God is He, which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye also have seen me, and believe not. All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all that of all which He hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that hath sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. The Jews then murmured at Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You once again this morning, and I just pray for clarity. I pray, Lord, that Your Word would be clear, that we would hear and understand what You are speaking to us. Lord, I pray for Your help. I know that 
all of my preparation, all of my study without the Holy Spirit is worthless. Lord, I pray that your people would hear what you would ha- need them to hear, Lord. I pray that your word would do the work, that you would speak and we would listen and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title this morning is this, We Need Someone, Not Something. We Need Someone, Not Something. It is true to life in many areas that what is best for us is what we often desire the least. Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to use a very uh, classic example. What is best for us is often what we desire the least. They say that liver is really, really good for you. And there are some people that like it. My younger sister, Ruth Ann, uh, when growing up on our birthday, we got to ask for whatever meal we wanted, and we got to uh, pick the menu for our birthday. And so that was one of the special, uh, special things of being the birthday boy or birthday girl. And lo and behold, my sister Ruth Ann asked for liver and onions for her birthday, and we all uh, wanted to take back our presents and strangle her in Christian love, of course. Uh, no. But isn't it true that um, there are people who like liver, but the most majority of people... They see that, they smell that, their stomach flips the other way. Even though they tell us it's good for us, give me a bag of Cheetos over liver anytime, okay? Um, Okay, my favorite, a nice juicy steak, okay? But it's not a juicy steak unless you cook it in the butter, okay? About half a stick of butter, and, you know, and you put the garlic in the butter and you flip it and you get the sear on it and all of that good thing. And you get a homemade roll with all the yeast and all the carbs in it. And you soak up all the salty steak juice in it. And okay, I'm making everybody hungry. But we're talking about the bread of life. So, okay. But, right, you have a plate of liver. You have a bunch of buttery steak with enough sodium to put most people in the cardiac arrest. Which do we want? Which do we desire? We desire what tastes the best. We desire what we want. If you've ever tried to feed a child, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay? You have mac and cheese. You have pizza. They're starving. You bring out the carrots and the peas. They totally lost their appetite. I'm not hungry anymore. I, I don't want that. What? It's not a matter of whether they're hungry. It's a matter of they want what they want. And as a parent, you have to begin to teach them that they need to want what is good for them. But very naturally, we have appetites. We want what we want. And the multitude was coming to Jesus very hungry, but they're about to lose their appetites. They are very hungry for something, but what Jesus wants to give them is not what they were hungry for, but it was what was best for them. You see, the multitude, just a little bit of background just to get us up to speed on where we are, they have come seeking another physical meal, right? They crossed, uh, their bellies had been full yesterday. Jesus had fed the 5,000 plus the women and children easily, 15,000 people, With five barley loaves and two small fishes, five crackers and two sardines, Jesus had fed the multitudes. They had eaten as much as they wanted. 
Their bellies were full. Now they were empty because it was the next day. They had eaten a physical meal. Their bodies had digested it. They were hungry again. And they took shipping. They put expense out. They put their time out. They came, the Bible says, seeking Jesus. But they didn't come to worship Jesus as God. They did not come to thank Jesus for the wonderful meal that they'd had. They came demanding more. They came wanting more of physical bread. Jesus instantly, as God, He knows our hearts. You're not going to confuse God. You're not going to uh, pull one over on God. He sees through everything. He, and He calls them out on it. He says, you're not here because you saw the miracles. You're here because you had a full belly yesterday and now your belly's empty again. That's why you're here. And He challenged them. Labor not for the meat that perisheth. You're putting all of this effort into something that is temporal. You're putting all of your effort into something that's going to be gone tomorrow again. Rather, you need to put your emphasis, you need to put your desire on something that is eternal and something that is most important and something that is best for you. They go, well, what do we need to do to work the works of God? Wait a second, wait a second. You don't earn the gifts of God. You don't merit the gifts of God you believe. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's what he said there. Labor not, you have to, this is the work of God, that ye believe on Him whom He hath sent. This is the work that God has for every person. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot do enough good to make ourselves right with God. What he said is, you just have to believe me. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, and we're going to get there in a couple months, hopefully not years, but we're going to get to John chapter 19 where Jesus says, it is finished. I've done all that needs to be done. All you have to do is believe on me. Jesus confronts them with the work of God. Now, what would have been a proper response at this point? If the work of God is to believe on Jesus Christ, what should they have done? Believed on Jesus Christ. It's not a trick question, I promise you. Okay? Uh, what they should have done is fallen on their faces and worshipped Jesus Christ. They should have said, our Lord, our God, our Savior, we, we surrender to you. You are the Messiah. They should have said, we will follow you as your disciples. We are with you. We surrender. You are our God. Should not that, would that have been a proper response to the command, this is the work of God? Absolutely. That is what should have taken place. But when they were confronted with the spiritual need of their heart, they did what is natural to every human being. They said, we need some more proof. We're not ready to believe that yet. Uh, if, you're, if you expect us to believe that, Jesus, you better prove that to us. Now, I am so thankful for the patience of God. If it had been one of us here, what would we have done? Stop bothering me. You don't, you're not even paying attention. Don't make me waste my time with you. But that's not what Jesus does. He knows their hearts, and yet He is still uh, going to give them the truth of God. By the way, Jesus has just given them one of the greatest, most visible miracles, signs recorded in Scripture with the feeding of the multitude. It's the only miracle other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's recorded in all four Gospels. It was that important. It was that evident of who Jesus Christ is. 
He had just given them that sign. He had just demonstrated beyond all shadow of a doubt that I have the power of God. I am the Son of God sent to uh, cleanse your sin because I have the power to do this. I have the power to forgive your sins. And Jesus says, will you just believe on me? We need some more proof. That's what they said. What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What can you do? Come on, Jesus, we need you to prove this to us. We want to see. Because they, they didn't see the miracle. They saw the bread. Jesus confronted them with that. Though they ate of the bread, they did not see that as a miracle. They just satisfied their stomachs. They wanted to believe in what they wanted. Come on, Jesus, you need to, you need to meet us on our terms. Isn't that what they're saying? Uh, we, we appreciate your passion, Jesus. We appreciate the meal yesterday, Jesus. But if you want us to accept what you're saying, you're going to have to meet us on our terms. You're going to have to help us out here a little bit. We know you fed us a miraculous feast yesterday. But we know what our fathers had, what our ancestors, what the nation of Israel had. Let's go back in history, and this is our understanding. This is our um, uh, way of thinking. This is our filter, is what, what our fathers have said before us. And, you know, what other people say and what other people have experienced. Jesus, the Bible says, it is written, the Scripture says that they ate manna every day. So we need a sign, Jesus. We need you to show, we need you to give us some, um, some more bread here. Now, they were biblically correct that Moses and the nation of Israel, some two to three million people, had eaten manna in the wilderness, bread from heaven. They had eaten that for 40 years. Okay? That's what the Bible says. In fact, Psalm 78 says, speaking about God had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them of the corn of heaven. Men, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. That's what God did for them. As they came out of Egypt and they were in the uh, um, Saudi Arabian Peninsula there, they were in the Arabian Peninsula in the desert, there was not grocery stores, there was not planting of crops, and so God gave them bread from heaven. By the way, God continued to provide manna for them every day for two to three million people, even though they were disobedient, even though they were grumbling, even though they were complaining. And they were saying, if you want us to believe that you're greater than Moses, which by the way, Jesus is, amen? He, he is greater than Moses. He is greater than the Old Testament prophets. He is the fulfillment of the law. Then you need to show us a greater sign than Moses. You need to show us something that's going to wow us. There are many people like this in our world today. Well, you need to prove to me there's a God, right? You need to give me evidence that I can see, that I can feel, that I can touch. In the Bible, seeing is not believing. Seeing is not believing. You cannot prove spiritual things to a blind man. Spiritual things must be accepted by faith. 
Okay, we accept it by faith. Where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing by the Word of God. We accept things based on the authority of the Word of God. Not our experiences, not someone else's experiences. We must accept things if it's going to be biblical faith based on the Word of God. But so many people in our society ignore the signs that God has already given them. They ignore the signs and the testimonies of creation that has bridged every language, every racial, racial and generational barrier. The Bible says in Psalm 19, read it, that, um, that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day utter a speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. I don't care if it's from the Aborigines I don't care if it's from the people in Australia to the Amazon jungle. The, the, the signs of creation have spoken to all. There is a God. And yet people say, you need to prove it to me. Right? They ignore the testimony of God's timeless word and say, well, that's flawed. That's irrelevant. That's just open to interpretation. No, it's not. It's the eternal word of God. And you are going to be judged by what the word of God says. So many people ignore the testimony of lives that have been changed by the power of God. Someone can come and tell them a testimony. You want to know what I once was? You, don't want, to, you want to know what I used to look like and what I used to do and then God got a hold of my life and now everything has changed. That's not a, a 12-step program, but that's the power of God? Oh, you're just a fuddy-duddy. You're just a fanatic freak. And, right? And they're saying, you've got to show me something. And they ignore all the signs that God has given them. But it's not just those who don't believe in God who ignore signs. Sometimes as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We know that we're on our way to heaven. We've trusted in Jesus Christ. But if God wants me to surrender that, if God wants me to do that, well, He'd better show me some proof. Well, I, I'm not ready to surrender that, Lord. You, you better really uh, demonstrate something powerful. Wait a second. Don't ignore the signs that are He's given. He's given His Son, Jesus Christ. He spared not His own Son for us. What other sign do we need? If God has said it, we need to obey it and listen. But they were after physical bread. They were not after what Jesus had to offer. They wanted what they wanted, right? They wanted their mac and cheese and pizza. They wanted uh, what was appealing to them. And in their minds... We have to understand this. If they could get food from Jesus, if they could get more meals from Jesus, they would have a wonderful life. If they could get more food, if they could get another miracle of loaves and fishes, they would have been satisfied. That's what they wanted, was another temporal meal that wouldn't last to the next day. But Jesus loved these people like He loves you and me. He cared for their eternal souls. And He was going to deal with the truth. He was going to deal with the true needs of their hearts. Remember, the stories and the accounts in the Bible are not so we can shake our heads in disbelief at the unbelief of the multitudes, but so that we can examine our own dark hearts that wants its own way by the light of the Word of God so we can see the wickedness and the darkness 
and the filth that is within our own heart and our own rebellion against God that needs to be confessed and forsaken. The story here is not primarily about the multitude. It's primarily about the people right now this morning that are in the, in the bounds of Community Baptist Church. We need to look at this as God speaking to us. And as Jesus addressed them, show us a sign. He says, verily, verily, I'm, I'm going to correct your unbiblical thinking and I'm going to clarify what, you, what the true bread is. I'm going to clarify what you need to be seeking after. Jesus said, verse number 32, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. The manna their fathers had eaten, that they were so excited about, was not the gift of Moses. It was the gift from God. Moses hadn't provided that. Moses had needed to eat manna just like everybody else had. And they had eaten, and their children had eaten of that manna for 40 years, but this physical bread did not help them spiritually per se. They ate the physical bread, and each one of them died. Okay, Moses was dead. Each one of their fathers who ate that manna had died. Now, the physical manna was to meet a physical need. And it was given out of the goodness of God. Just remember the power of the eternal, almighty, changing, unchanging God. If God can provide daily food from heaven for two to three million people every day, don't you think He's capable of meeting the need that you have? Don't you think He's capable of providing the physical needs of His children? He knows our needs, and in His goodness, airing that time, even though they were complaining, even though God did not want them in the wilderness for 40 years, but they ended up there because of their disobedience, God still gave them manna every day in His goodness, and He provided for their physical needs. But our physical needs, though God cares for them, is not God's primary interest. Ever, right? Okay? He gave them the bread because God is good. And He truly did give them the physical bread. But the physical manna was also a lesson to teach the people of Israel, to teach even us today, that our need for God and His Word is greater than our need for physical bread. In the law of God, if these people had actually wanted to quote this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God was telling His people, and He humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger. And fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. The word manna actually means, what is it? They didn't know what it was. That's what the word manna means, okay? What is it? He said, which thou knewest not, neither did their fathers know, that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The manna wasn't just to provide their physical needs. It was to teach them what you need is the Word of God. What you need is to follow God. But these people had totally missed it. They were looking at the manna. They were looking, that can fill our stomachs. Jesus, you should do this for us. But God, who loves us and wants to meet our physical needs, also must keep things in proper perspective. He is far more concerned with the condition of your heart than the cravings of your stomach. And so Jesus said, you have to understand, Moses didn't give you that manna. That came from God. And here is the true bread from heaven. 
Okay? My, notice the past and present tense. Moses didn't give you, gave you not that manna. That's past tense. My Father giveth you. Present active indicative. Right now and is continuing. My Father right now is giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. The physical manna that had been eaten in the wilderness only had physical value. All the people, including Moses, the greatest prophet in Israel's history, who had eaten of that manna, had died a physical death. But Jesus now explains that the true bread was something the Father was giving to them right now. That the temporary bread of manna could not meet, could not do what the true bread, the genuine, the best bread that God was giving them could do. Jesus is trying to emphasize that the gift they could have today was much greater in value than the manna in the wilderness. That the bread today was something far better than the manna they'd received in the wilderness. This is the true bread that cometh from heaven. And he says this, the bread of God is He. What God has given you is not something, it is someone. It's not something, it's someone. The bread of God is a person. And that person has come to give life to this whole world. Okay, now, these people were interested in something. And Jesus was trying to point their attention to someone. They were interested in something. Jesus is trying to point their attention to someone. Namely, the one who's speaking, Jesus Christ. The bread that God provided is the person of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 1.14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. God Himself was born of a virgin came in a manger as God's gift of the true bread to mankind. It's the true bread that gives life unto the world. This bread does not provide just a meal for the next day, but provides life for all eternity for people. This gift was, it says there, the end of verse number 33, unto the world. Remember, he was speaking to Jewish people. But Jesus was emphasizing that the gift of God was not for a particular race. The gift of God was not just for the religious, the poor, the rich, the wealthy, the uh, whatever it happened to be. That is for the world. That the gift of God was to all people. He's proclaiming spiritual truth here. He's not talking about a physical piece of bread or the daily provision of bread. He's talking about Himself. He's talking about the spiritual life that can be received from God. But what was these people's response? Verse number 34. They said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Sounds good. We want the true bread. We want the best bread. Now, there may have been a true desire like the woman at the well. She said, Lord, give me this water that I come not hither to draw. Okay, there's something you're offering that I do want. There's something that you're giving that, that I would like, but they don't understand yet what Jesus is saying. And so Jesus 
gives the first I am statement in the Gospel of John. There are eight I am statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus goes back to Moses where God revealed himself to Moses and said, he said, who shall, who shall I say sent me? And he said, I am that I am. Jehovah God, the almighty creator God said, I am that I am. Tell them I am sent you. And here Jesus is tying into that saying, if you want to know who I am, if you want to know about the truth of God, I am. If you want to know about me, it's almost like John is slowly unwrapping a present. And he's revealing this part, and he's revealing this part, and, then, and it's going to be, I am the bread of life. I am before Abraham was. I am. I am eternal. Um, he goes, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is going to, this is who I am. Jesus, this is one of the pinnacles of the Gospel of John. He's revealing to us who Jesus is. And if you're going to know Jesus, we need to know who He is. Not just ideas about Him, but who Jesus is. The multitude was looking for a meal. But Jesus is telling us that what God had given to meet our need is Jesus Christ. Okay? One man put it this way. The quest of the crowd and the, the quest and the crowd and the mission of Christ stand remarkably in contrast. What was the quest of the crowd? Life. They wanted bread. They wanted life-giving bread. What was the mission of Christ? Well, it was life too, eternal life. The crowd wanted life. Jesus was there to give them life. Wherein there is the contrast? In the interpretation of life. Of course they wanted life, so they wanted to crown Him. Life, they said, comes when we are fed, when the physical is satisfied, when our bellies are full. We're living. Right? That's what they were after. If I get what I want, life is good. This is what I want. But Jesus said, having your belly full is not the same as spiritual life. Okay, Paul would talk about those whose God is their belly. There's many people like that in our society today and in our world where it's about today. It's about what I want, what I can enjoy, what I can have. But they didn't need something. They needed someone. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What you need is me. Just a little bit of study on bread, real quick. The first mention of bread in the Bible was when God cursed the earth because of Adam and Eve's sin. God told them, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and to dust thou shalt return. That's the first time that the word bread is found in the Bible. You're going to eat bread. Bread is one of the oldest foods in world history. You go anywhere in any society, you're going to find some sort of bread. You're going to some, find some sort of grain that's been processed. It's a universal staple food. There's a reason why they say in the, in the jail, uh, they're stuck on bread and water. It's the basics of what you need to survive. It's enough to survive. 
that many society, whether you go down to South America and it's corn and it's tortillas and it's masa and that kind of thing, or we go to the rye of Europe or we go to uh, the naan of uh, Asia or the pitas of Mediterranean or different things, there is bread everywhere we look. It is a staple of life. Um, it's been the fundamental uh, part of people's diets for millennia. It's basically bread has become symbolic with necessity. It has become symbolic with life. If there's bread, there's life. If there's not bread, there is want. It's a universal need. And the multitude had come for physical bread, and so Jesus is going to use, though they would need to eat again. Jesus is not ignoring the fact that they need to eat, but what he is doing is he's dealing with their greater need. He's going to take the illustration of their hungry stomachs and he's going to say, what you desperately need is, to, is what can satisfy your hungry heart. They wanted life through bread, but he was there to give them life through spiritual sustenance. He was to give them a spiritual life. He's saying, just as bread is necessary for physical life, you must come to me to have spiritual life. I am and I will always be the giver. I will always be the sustenance of spiritual life. Without me, you cannot have life. Without me, but with me, you will be forever satisfied. And he says this, I am the bread of life, verse number 35. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. The idea of he that comes to Jesus is not just shows up and waves high, but comes to be a disciple. Comes to follow Jesus, he that comes to me, he will never hunger. There's actually, in the Greek, it's two Greek words, back to back. What it is, is shall never, that's what it means. But it's, the, it's impossibility, cannot ever. Everybody see what it's saying there? It shall not, cannot ever. There's, there's not even the possibility. If you come to me, you will never hunger again. And he that believeth on me, the same thing, shall never thirst. You're never going to be thirsty again. You can, um, Jesus does not say, work, do your best, be baptized, and you'll be satisfied. No, he says, come to me. He says, believe on me. And anyone who will accept can have the bread of life. He says, anyone who believes will never thirst again. The words cometh and believeth are interchangeably used here. If you're going to come, you're going to believe. You can't truly come without believing. And you can't truly believe without coming. Somebody says, oh, I believe in God. No, you have to come. Real belief always leads to action. Real faith always has results that are tied to it. It's not our works that get us saved, but it's rather when we come to God, God's going to change us. Repentance is a necessity to receive the gift of eternal life, to receive the bread of life. We can't just say, oh, I want God, and keep going on our way. That's what the people were wanting. They were wanting bread and just going on their merry way. Jesus was saying, no, you need to put that aside. You need to come to me, and you need to believe on me, and you'll never thirst. You'll never hunger. If you believe on me, you'll never be not satisfied spiritually. Now, Jesus is not saying that you'll never go through difficult times. You'll never have uh, 
physical necessities. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's dealing with the issue of the heart. And He's saying, if you come to Me, if you surrender to Me, if you believe on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the, you will never hunger, you will never thirst. Can I tell you right now and for all of eternity, there's going to be people in hell that are crying out for just one drop of water. Just one drop of water that I can cool the tip of my tongue, but those who believe on Jesus Christ in this life for all of eternity will never thirst. For all of eternity will be always satisfied. For all of eternity will be in the presence and peace of God. There, it, that is the satisfaction that Jesus is talking about. is not a better life, but eternity with God. He is the answer to the needs of the human heart. The bread of life implies the fundamental, elemental role that Jesus only can fill in your spirit. But Jesus not only proclaimed He's the bread of life, He said, He that cometh unto Me I will no wise cast out. He says this, the invitation is open. I can satisfy all who come to Me, and all who come to Me shall be satisfied. If you come to Jesus Christ in faith, there is no person who has ever been turned away. There is no person who Jesus has ever said, I don't have room for you. Now, if, now, there's people who said, who have wanted eternal life, but have not come Jesus' way. Okay, is everybody following me? Who said, I want Jesus, but I still want to hold on to this. That's not the way you get Jesus Christ. But if you surrender to Him, Jesus says there, Verse, um, excuse me, verse number 37. All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. And he that cometh to me, I will in no wise, the double negative again, not in any way, it is not possible that I will cast them out. That I will expel them. There's never been a person who's come to Jesus Christ in faith who's been turned away. But there is one condition to enjoy the bread of life. That's to surrender to Him. You must come in humility. You must believe on Him. He is the true, life-giving bread of heaven. And anyone who believes on Him will be spiritually satisfied and will be spiritually welcomed. I tell you this, Jesus will spiritually satisfy and freely welcome any person who will simply come to Him. That's a wonderful message. Can we, can we not say that? That's a message of hope. Amen, right? That is, that is the truth of God's Word. But this multitude followed the same tragic path that people follow today. Verse number 41 says, They murmured at Him because He said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Jesus hadn't told them what they wanted to hear. They were not willing to believe on Jesus. Not because Jesus hadn't shown them enough evidence. Not because they didn't have enough truth. But because that wasn't what they wanted. There's a reason why people will not believe on Jesus Christ for salvation. It's not what they want. John chapter 3 talks about those who come to the light... And those who will not come to the light lest their deeds be made manifest. There are those who will come to the light so they can be saved by Jesus and there are those who will not. 
If someone is hungry, if someone is thirsty, it's not because he is not able. It's not because he is not sufficient to quench our thirst, to satisfy our hunger. It's because that person isn't drawing only on Jesus Christ. He will spiritually satisfy. He will freely welcome anyone who come to Him. Sadly, there's so many people in our society that are going to hunger, that are going to thirst for all of eternity because they won't accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because they won't believe and they won't surrender. There's not multiple ways to heaven. There's not multiple breads. It's the bread. It's singular. There's one source of spiritual provision and that is the person person of Jesus Christ. You must come to Him willingly. And you must believe, but He will abundantly pardon. Jesus is saying, if you come to Me, I will in no wise cast you out. I'm not um, checking applications and going, I don't like your looks or you, um, this or that. No, if we come to Him in faith and humility, faith is believing God's Word to the point of obedience. If we believe who He is, you will be accepted. You will be given the bread of life. You will be born again. You will be made a child of God. Brother Sam said this, it needs to be said over and over and over again outside of Jesus Christ. God provided no bread of everlasting life. Try all else and you will hunger. Eat at the table of pleasure, wealth, religion, and you will hunger. Drink at all the fountains and you will thirst again. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. He will satisfy and freely welcome anyone who will come to Him. But there are many Christians who are saved, but they look everywhere else for fulfillment in their life. And they live a frustrated, empty, angry, hungry Christian life. The greatest fulfillment that can come in your life is knowing Christ is doing the will of the Father. There are many dainties that may tickle your fancy in this life, but what you need is bread. You can eat cake, but it will not satisfy. You need something that is substantive. You need something that will fill you, and there is one thing that will fill you, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. All that pertains to life and godliness are found in Christ. There's an interesting parallel in the story of the prodigal son. Okay, there's two ways of looking at the story of the prodigal son. Either he was someone who was not saved and came to the father's house and was saved. And there, there is that application. But there's also the application that he was in the father's house. He was a son. And he still left. And what did he go to the far country seeking? He went to the far country seeking a good time. He went to the far country seeking Everything this world had to offer, clothes and shoes and jewelry and everything, he was going to go to the far country and he was going to live it up. And he went to the far country and where did he end up? How many know the story? He ended up selling himself to a Gentile man and working in the field with the pigs. A Jewish boy was degraded to the point that he was wishing he could eat pig slop. That all he wanted in life was just, just 
to be able to get a bit of pig slop before the pigs got it, and he still wasn't getting that. He, was, he went seeking, and he was hungry, and he was thirsty. But when he came back to the Father, the Father ran to meet him, and what did he find? He found companionship. What he had never found while spending all of his substance in the world, he found as soon as he came home. What did the Father do? He said, uh, bring the best robe. He didn't find that in the far country, but he found it when he came home to the Father. The, the Father said, bring a ring and put it on his finger, a symbol that you're part of the family now. It would have had the family crest on it. It would have been a symbol, you belong to me. And he said, he didn't get that when he was in the far country. He got that when he came home. The Father said, I'm going to kill the fatted calf, which was the best feast, the feast of a lifetime. We're going to make merry. We're going to have a good time. And there's not going to be any regrets the next morning. We're not going to wake up with a headache and with a hangover and having lost everything. There's going to be the blessings that come with being in the Father's house. Everything He sought over there, He truly only found when He came to the Father. That's true for salvation. And that's true for life. You can say, but I need, I need... No, wait a second. Either Jesus Christ is the bread of life and all that we need or He's not. But can I tell you this? He will spiritually satisfy and freely welcome anyone who will come to Him. It doesn't matter if you've been in the far country. It doesn't matter if you've been the goody-two-shoes boy, other second boy who was home. It wasn't just the prodigal son, there was the other boy. He was there. He had spent his whole life doing right, he thought. He spent his whole life trying to please the Father, but he had never enjoyed what the Father had to give him because he was too busy trying to earn the Father's approval. The work of the Father is to believe on Him who God has sent. We don't earn God's approval. We simply must believe on Him and He will accept the Son. All the Son had to do was say, Father, can I come in? The Father invited Him in. But He wouldn't. He was too busy being better than the other Son. Can I tell you this? Without the grace of God, every one of us is in the pig pens of this world headed for an eternity in hell. But Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He is the water that can satisfy. And if we will come to Him, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter how good you've been, how bad you've been. He will freely welcome and He will satisfy your life. It starts with salvation and then it's a life of walking with Him. We don't need that. We need Jesus Christ. And He has promised that if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all these things shall be added unto you. That He has, that the, um, I, David would write, I am young and now I am old. I've never seen the, uh, His seed, the righteous uh, begging bread or His seed without, I'm not quoting it exactly, Psalm 37, you can read it, uh, read it later. But He's saying, everything that you need is supplied in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. You search anything else, you're going to be hungry. There's going to be something gnawing. There's going to be something missing. There's never going to be satisfaction. You're going to be thirsty. You're going to be without. 
And there's people in this room that have that testimony. Hey, uh, listen, I can tell you, Pastor, I tried that and I was there and I, I was uh, on the brink of it and it, there was nothing that was satisfying. I was still frustrated and empty. But when I came to Jesus Christ, though everything isn't necessarily easy and though everything isn't just perfect in peaches and cream, I do know this, my soul is secure with God. And there's a peace and there's a satisfaction that nothing else can give because He alone is the bread of life. And if you come to Him, He'll never cast you out. Ever. You are kept by the power of God. If you're hungry, if your soul is thirsty this morning, He's the answer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning. Lord, I'm so thankful for who You are. I'm so thankful for the free gifts that you've paid for to offer to each and every one of us. Lord, we just pray. If there's one here who does not know you as Savior, that today would be the day that they stop trusting in themselves or stop looking for more proof and will just believe on your name. If there's a Christian here who's just been worn out, I pray, Lord, that we would turn afresh, grab hold of you, Find, Lord, the blessings and the satisfaction that you can give. We pray, Lord, for you to do the work. Help us to respond as you would have us. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll have the piano begin to play. The song is just as I am, without one plea. We don't have anything to offer to God. He gives it all. You come to Him exactly the way you are change you, satisfy you. I don't know where you are this morning, but if the Lord has spoken to your heart, let's take some moment and do some business with the Lord.